This is Steve Taylor. Once again, here we are recording the Do It For Yourself podcast. I am the lead advisor and founder of Merited Wealth. And really on this podcast, what I try to do is I invite people out there that are kind of doing it for themselves, uh, self-employed and in different ways, right? That means many, many different things, many different professions and the like. And I like to share their stories and and their their successes and their challenges that hopefully for those that are are listening in might be able to to glean a a few nuggets from them. So today, I, this is one of my first guests in in the design industry. Uh, I'm really excited to go through uh, you know through the conversation and learn about her story and, and learn about uh, you know what led her to where she is today. And uh, so, Jessica, if you can give us a brief uh, introduction about you and your company. Hello, everyone. My name is Jessica Boudreaux, and I'm an interior designer. I started my company, Boudreaux Design Studio, in 2008. And for the most part, I focus on residential interior design and remodeling. Excellent, excellent. So, Jessica, so give me a little, give us a little bit of background, you know, here about you and 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 what you, you know, maybe kind of where you started out. You know, maybe I don't know if your career always was interior designs. Maybe you got into it because of a family member or something. But just give me a little bit of background of, of starting out and and uh, in your career, kind of what what you were we were doing prior to to starting Boudreaux Designs. Sure. So. Uh... I grew up in a really creative environment. Um, my mom was really into decorating. My grandmother was a watercolor artist. I have a cousin that is an architect and he restores historic boats um, or antique boats, I should say. Um, I have a lot of friends that were professional artists. So I was always drawn and just very comfortable in that world. However, as I started to grow up, I realized that the starving artist life was definitely not going to be something that would be for me and that I needed something that was more of a solid plan. And uh, I figured interior design was probably a good way to combine both uh, creative with, um, you know, with, with a, in an industry where there would actually be employment for me. Yeah. So, you know, so that was really what drew me into that. Yeah. I'm sorry for interrupting you there. So I, this really, your, your story that really hits close to home for me because my wife and her family, they are ultimate creatives. She's a, she's an actress. She has an aunt who's who's a painter and an artist and, and an uncle that are artists, you know, that they actually made their, their career of it. And her, her father was with a doctor, right? And uh, so they really supported her in all of her art. But, you know, I, uh, you know, he, he's, you know, unfortunately, he's no longer with us, but we would have conversations certain days where he'd say, well, you know, even though I, I taught them the right thing about money and business, I'm like, well, I don't know. I don't know, you know, doc, you know, because, you know, really going down that artistic path, you know, applying that to a career was always a challenge. Tell me a little bit about, you know, did, did you come to that realization yourself that you would need to get the creativity to make, to make a career of it? Were you encouraged by your other family? Was it was it things that you saw that made you, you know, think a little more practically? Because many times that's a big challenge for creatives. So I I went to college at Florida State University. Sorry, I know you're a UF guy. Um, and... I enrolled in the interior design program while I was at Florida State. However, I was working full-time while I was there. Um, I had a job with the state doing some kind of administrative work, which is completely and totally not who I am as a person. Um, but it was a, I was encouraged to accept the position. It was like a promotion from a part-time job that I had had with them. 
And, uh, and it was really hard for me to focus on these interior design classes because they're very intense. Um, and I sort of got into this place of thinking that the goal was really to get the degree, not necessarily what the degree was in. I just wanted it to be finished. So I let go of the interior design classes, but I continued with these studio art classes, mostly focusing in photography because that was always sort of my art. That was something that I was really interested in, black and white photography, that was my thing. However, after I graduated, I realized that um, there weren't gonna be a ton of jobs for me and that those jobs that were available to me were not gonna be paid very much. They weren't gonna be you know, regular. I, I needed to be able to live and survive. And I, it took me a couple of years of stumbling around in that uh, to decide to go back and finish my interior design classes. So that's how that happened. Yeah, that's that that's great. You know, you try to go that practical road, but your your heart and your passion still pulls you uh pulls you back to that. So so you went through, you stumbled some of you know through some of these other jobs and you went back to to school to to finish off your courses. How did that go right now that this is your second time around? You didn't necessarily, you know, you weren't maybe you weren't just solely focused on getting the degree, but you were now this is something you wanted to do. Kind of how did that process go and and how did when you came out of school the second time, how did that, uh, how was that different? So by this time I was living in South Florida and I had a full-time position with the Art Institute of Fort Lauderdale, which again, I was drawn to work there because I thought it was a creative environment. In reality, it wasn't really that creative at all, but the opportunity that it gave me was to be able to finish off these interior design classes. I didn't really have to do anything else because I already had the degree and I had already started many of the classes. And so I was able to finish up my classes there while working um, full time. And I was working as a career advisor, ironically, uh, for other creatives, helping them find jobs. You know, it was just uh, like almost I was teaching myself lessons that I wish that I had known when I graduated. So it was a very ironic situation that I found myself in. And uh, when I was getting close to the end of those courses, I decided to uh, take a really big risk and um, quit that job and take a part-time job working in the interior design field so that I could start to get, garner experience while I'm finishing off this second degree. And, uh, and that really set me on the path to arrive at where I am now. Yeah, so that must have been tough, right? When you're sitting down there talking to these people that had come to you looking for this career advice, but you knew you kind of weren't really heeding your own words, right? You were you were challenging, you know, challenging. Yeah, it was their... it was sort of like lessons that I didn't know when I was in their position and that I learned through some really hard knocks. And so now I find myself in the position to give this advice uh, to them. And I was, you know, wishing that I had had it when I was a few years back when I was in their shoes. Yeah. Yeah. That's well, I'll get to this at the end, but this is always a question I ask myself, you know, if I would go back and talk to my younger self, would I listen to me? Right. Would I, would I take my advice? Cause I'm, you know, stubborn the, the bull through it. So, so you gone, you started this, this position and at part-time, you know, working in interior design. So, how, so how did that work? How did, how did you navigate through that? Did it eventually maybe become something full-time? Did you, did you take a, a job with it for a while? So how did you, how do you navigate? It sounds like, you know, now, you know, you've been through a couple iterations, you know what you like doing, but it's still, it's not, you know, necessarily, you know, checking every box. How, how did that process go? So 
I was taught from a young age that it's important to have a, a good work ethic. And so I've always um, known sort of the position that I wanted to be in, but I, I have, having not have been there, I was willing to work as hard as it took to get there. So I worked full time while I was working full time, I was taking classes and I took as many as I could. Um, and also while I was working full time and taking all of these classes, I also did an internship, an unpaid internship to sort of get me started. And I had really at this stage enough uh, professional experience to qualify for most jobs, but specifically for interior design, I was gonna have to cram and sort of get that experience quickly. So that's what I did. So um, when I finished the internship, I then took a, a part-time job and I worked for a company that did architectural renderings and presentations, which was really amazing because when I got to the point where I started my business, that experience that I garnered on that job was, was uh, what really helped me get through the transition time. Um, but we'll get to that. Yeah, but so did, um, did you when you were going through this and and you were in that job and and it was part time, did you always from the get go right? There's a lot of you know a lot of study and a lot of hard work, tremendous work around here. Did did you always kind of have this vision that in the end you'd kind of be doing it for yourself, or did that did that come as you were no. working through it? How did that how did that evolve? So I did uh, a couple of different jobs once I finished my second degree or while I was in the process of finishing it. And um, ultimately in 2008, I had uh, in 2000, late 2007, I, I got my first mortgage. It was my goal to buy uh, my own property and I got a condo and it increased my living expenses a little bit, but it was, it was a goal. I was willing to work for it. I'm always kind of willing to work for what I want. So, uh, then a few months later, or, or why, just after I got this mortgage, I started a new job. And I was excited because it was really the first job where I felt I was going to be getting paid what I deserved. Um, the first job I'd ever had where I felt like they were paying me what I asked for. And that, so that was kind of an incredible place to be. So I felt like kind of on top of the moon. I was excited about the job. I was excited about the location. I was excited about my salary. And then uh, the residential real estate market and many of the other markets started to crumble. And this being a startup, they weren't really prepared to weather that storm. And so I was let go and the business oh. uh, closed. So I gave myself one day to cry about it and <laughs> be really upset because I had this new mortgage. And whereas I was feeling like kind of on top of the world, all of a sudden I came crashing down. But uh, being upset about it for too long wasn't the luxury that I had. So the condo that I bought had a pool and uh, I took my computer down to the pool every day and I set about making a plan for myself. So the first idea that I had was to outsource myself as somewhat of a ghost designer to some older interior designers that I figured probably didn't have the digital skills that I had. So that's when all of the skills from this uh, position that I had had doing presentations and, and uh, you know, working with animators and, um, and renderers to do these great presentations for architects that came in handy because then I was able to replicate that in my way um, for these other designers. So I did that for a while and, um, and it worked out fairly well. 
And at one point I decided, you know, if I'm going to do all of this work for other people and still have to kind of rely on them to push the project forward and that's going to affect how I'm getting paid and therefore how I'm able to care for myself, what would happen if I just got my own clients? Would that be any better? So I posted some ads on Craigslist and through Craigslist, I got my first handful of clients. That's awesome. That's amazing. That's, that's, I, I love that, you know, really, you know, uh, necessity is the mother of invention, right? Sometimes we yeah. portion these positions. How, how did you, um, I'm, I'm really interested, you know, talk more about, you know, Craigslist and building the business, but these relationships you have that you were kind of being uh, the back office technical skill with the, with those other, uh, those other groups and architects. How did you have those contacts? Where where did you, because uh, that's, you know, that's a form of developing your own business. Where did you know those people to be able to, uh, to get them to outsource to you? So when I was working at the Art Institute, we would coach um, students how to get an internship, how to research companies that they might want to be employed by, um, you know, based on location or you know the types of service that that company provided so essentially I just used the the same tools that I would have given to those students I I, I used them myself um, to help get me through this um, you know tumultuous time that's that's awesome I, I love that I think a lot of people when they go and they start you know a, a business or their own business, that not often enough do they go back and just rely on the skills that they develop at all these different positions, even though that might not have been exactly what they wanted. There's lots of skills and tools. And, and, and I love this. I see this, this crescendo of like, you know, you're just developing these skills, moving, moving up and, and bringing them with you uh, and, and to your, into your own thing. And so, and so you're, you're heading out, you're posting on, on Craigslist, you're getting these clients. How how were the early days? How how was that process? You know, kind of, you know, going now. I don't know if you were in people's uh, properties before, but now you're starting to go in people's properties and stuff like that. Uh, you know, how how does that go? Any any war war stories from that time? <laughs> well, I work in people's houses for a living, so I definitely have plenty of um, interesting stories. But uh, the first woman who hired me. I don't know for sure, but I had a feeling that maybe she was like a, a stripper or something. And there was a man in another state that used to pay me with credit cards that, that I never met. And um, but I didn't complain because I needed this. And she was my first client. She was so nice. She was really sweet to work with. Um, and then later I would see her around and she was just always very friendly. But it was it was an interesting situation. And my second client was a guy that had moved here from Pennsylvania and he moved into Midtown and there was only one building in Midtown. And I remember pulling up and it was just, there was nothing there except for this one building. And it was such a, it's been so crazy to see Miami develop so quickly mm -hmm. um, and, and be working in these spaces as they're kind of growing. It's been interesting, but, um, and he lived there. And so that was just a, a mostly a decorating job. Um, but it was really the third client that hired me that was probably my most special client of all time. And I will always remember him. He taught me so many things. I don't think that he set out to be a teacher, but he was just being himself. And I was like, uh, you know, would just listen to him and pay attention. And he was great to work for. He had a definitive style direction that he wanted to go in. And he was also a Craigslist client. And he hired me and he told me, 
that he just wanted to redo the kitchen. And I was excited because the amount that he was willing to spend was probably more than I had ever made in a year. And he ended up spending like six times the amounts of that. Um, and later I would find out that he was a retired executive from, he was like a vice president of a, of a bank or something and had retired at a young age to Miami. And um, so he was just very smart, uh, very aware of finances in a way that was different than anyone that I knew, my friends or my family, let's say. And so by just being in his presence, I was able to glean a lot of information from him. So that's something I like about what I do for a living. It's a very, um, it's it's a, an intimate relationship because you're in people's houses. They have to trust you. They have to trust you to guard their privacy and they have to trust you that you're not going to do anything to, you know, ruin their house while you're there inside of it, kind of tearing it apart and rebuilding it. So yeah, that was a great relationship. So, so that's obvious. I mean, it didn't, it sounds like you learned a lot from them, but not necessarily on interior design, I guess, but about, about just financials and, and managing a project. I mean, what, what are some of, what are, it's interesting, right? You, you learn, you know, from clients, I, you know, I think we all, you know, if, if you listen and you're paying attention, you're caring, there's so much to learn from people all the time, but what, what exactly do you, do you recall like some of the lessons learned from dealing with him because he hired you to do the job and, and you're the one to learn kind of, how, how did that how did that kind of work? Yeah, so I wouldn't really say that the lessons learned had to, anything to do with interior design. It was just sort of like this, uh, like in Karate Kid, the wax on, wax off. Like uh -huh. while I'm doing interior design, I also, you know, witness how he's navigating life and it's completely different, um, mostly because of how he was with money because he was he was he was a wealth manager like yourself actually mm -hmm. and so maybe just in hearing conversations or that he would have with someone else or in watching how he would navigate a situation again he in no way was setting out to be a teacher but i just was uh ab absorbing his knowledge um he talked to me about um the stock market i really didn't know anything about the stock market um and it would actually be another client down the line that would really interest me in the stock market. She was like, uh, uh, that was her hobby. And so she would talk to me about it a lot. So when you have these relationships with clients, because you're in their home, they either tend to, they tend to talk to you about a lot of things and just to make conversation in a friendly way. And, you know, um, I, I, I listen, I pay attention. And, and if, especially if there's anything that I can learn, that's something that I didn't, no, but might be interested in such as um, organizing myself financially, uh -huh. um, because at 29 years old, it was not organized financially. So I'll take any lesson I can get. Basically, I love to learn. That's awesome. So I really you, you go in there and you're designing and they're hiring you from the sty for, for this, look, this look and feel. But you're you're developing this huge relationship. Right. So it goes beyond, you know, just what the items you're, you're working on. Uh, and these conversations. And and I think it's, you know, to your credit, you realize, hey, listen, these people have had some success. They're able to hire an interior designer, right? Not everybody, uh, you know, is able to do that. And you, you there's a lot to, to learn from them and, and to go through that process. And that's wonderful. And that's wonderful. And so, you know, you're you're working with these clients, you're you're growing your business. This was, this was a number of years ago. How, how has the journey been, right? You know, I'm sure, you know, some ebbs and flows, uh, you know, I think it's, you know, or you tell me it's, it's just you or, or, 
you know, have you thought about hiring people? Have you hired people to different size? So how how has the the, the flow of your journey in Boudreaux Designs been over the last uh, decade and a half? So it start everything started very organically. So on that same project with the gentleman I just mentioned to you, that was where um, at that time a lot of contractors, architects, and everything like that had had left Miami because of what was happening with the real estate market and mm. there being a decline in jobs and me just getting started and not really knowing too many people. Um, I, I had to use what I had, which was myself. And I met a gentleman who was a painter and we still work together today. Um, he was great and very knowledgeable and was a good resource for me to learn a lot. He's really much more than a painter, um, but that's his main service. And then from there, there are some other things that he does as well. And what I learned from that was, so the design takeaways, I guess, that I learned on that project were that if I find someone who is loyal to me, does good work, shows up on time and who offers fair pricing and doesn't try to, you know, be excessive, I guess, with what they're charging. Um, I stick with those people. Uh, so for example, that that gentleman, uh, we, we've been working together since for 15 years. And um, I also met some really great plumbers at that time. And uh, they've since retired, but I stuck with them. So that that was something I learned, be loyal to the people that are that are good to me and that do good work for my clients. Um, have I hired people? Yes, I have. Having been a not the best employee myself, because I'm, I think I'm great and very responsible at what I do for myself and I care. Um, and I also feel that I'm compensated what I'm worth when I'm working on my own. When I had jobs, I never felt that way. Um, so I know what people do when they're not content or, you know, kind of have other things going on. I know what that looks like because I've been there myself. And so I've hired employees, but I just never really felt like they were fully present, you know, whether it was going through a breakup or having a side gig they were interested in. I, I really like working with private contractors because people are invested. It's, it's their business and they care more. So that's an environment I'm more comfortable with, uh, like working with freelancers and private contractors. So I tend to do everything that way. Yeah, that's interesting. That that that's wonderful. It's really hard, right? So when you when you hire someone, I always, you know, like to your point, you know, they might be good, hardworking, but some people when they're we're seeing a W two, they're employed, kind of their motivation gets sapped, right? Whatever whatever it might be, yeah. you know, I know that's 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 you. That that's likely me. But what you find what was critical was these trustworthy and honest partners, in that you're here doing it for yourself, and they're all doing it for themselves as well. And to you that worked better because of just the, the motivation and the structure and those relationships rather than trying to say, Hey, I'm going to grow and get a bunch of people under my, uh, my umbrella and start paying them as W2. Uh, you found that that worked and, and really was a better environment for, for you and for those people you're working with. Yeah. I, I think that everybody, well, I shouldn't say everyone, but I appreciate having the sense of freedom that working on my own provides me. And I'm willing to accept the responsibility that comes with it. And so I like working with people that have that same sort of mentality. Yeah. Yeah, that's wonderful. I, I get that, right? You want like minds. You want to be attracted to like-minded people. 
and, yeah. and that's and that's how you do it. Yeah, that's what attracts me, uh, you know, to to clients like you and all the like with that with that kind of mentality. So so you hear you are Buddha design is, you know, about 15, 15 years in. What's what's your thoughts about the growth, uh, the future? Are you are you trying uh, new stuff? Are you looking into new areas? Kind of what are what are you thinking? You know, you know, five, 10 years from now, you know, what's it going to look like? Well, um, the growth was always something that was relatively organic, and I've never been, um, I guess I've never been this sort of person that says, okay, I need to make this much money. How do I do that, right? Um, but uh, we'll say in 2016-ish, I did uh, start working with a business coach from the um, SBDC, and that was really helpful, and they uh, helped me to make some website changes and you know, focus on marketing efforts. And I was, I participated in a few of the Florida home design and remodeling shows that led to being on a local design television show called uh, SoFlo Home. And uh, so that was really a fun time because in those years I was really developing the business. Around that same time, I got some clients in New York as well. So that was exciting uh, because then it, I got started to get to travel for work um, and I really enjoyed that. And then all of that sort of came to a halt around COVID. Mm -hmm. And so then, you know, I didn't, we weren't allowed to go inside of buildings. I wasn't, I had a client that lived in Golden Beach, which is a private neighborhood. We weren't allowed to go into that neighborhood for a little while. And so things just got very muddled for me. I guess that was, a, it was a lot of stress for everybody in different ways. And, and, and I was not immune to that either. And um, so in 2021, towards the end, I guess I started working again, but it just was very kind of like running in molasses. Every effort that I made just felt sort of awkward. Um, Maybe it was just from taking so much time off or maybe it was the stress, I'm not sure. Um, but I decided I needed to make a plan again. So I joined BNI and I'm geared up and ready to go. So what do I want next? Um, I've always had a dream of working on a micro development. I don't know exactly how that would happen. I haven't gotten to that part yet, but something that would uh, because we're having a big affordability crisis with housing. So something mm -hmm. that would create would be a creative place for people to live. Um, there are low income people, I think, that are often overlooked, which are the artists and um, and, you know, the people for whom having so much pressure for money is probably not good. But they're the kind of people that are still ideal to have in a community because they they bring uh, a flavor to life that's enjoyable for everyone, right? And we want not just to have money, but we also want to have culture. We want to enjoy our life. So those people are going to need a place to live. And so how how could I make a place for them to live that would incorporate maybe a little bit of nature elements and also be affordable and also be pretty? And again, I don't know how this is going to happen, but it's sort of like a daydream I have in my head. Working on something like that would be fun. Um, so that's one thing. I've never had a project in Coconut Grove. It's sort of the only okay. neighborhood in Miami that I've never done. So if anyone's listening in Coconut Grove, hire me. All right. Um, you get very and, targeted, yeah. <laughs> and uh, maybe an international project would be fun. I don't know. Okay. 
Well, you have ideas and plans, and yeah, that's I I, I could imagine that the, the the challenge and difficulty going through COVID, where when everything got got shut down and right any kind of physical space, were, were you able to to migrate to any kind of virtual designing or anything through that process, or did did going through that COVID did that did that change your I'm sure you know it changed your outlook. Things got slowed down so much, but has, has it changed the business much? It changed my outlook on a lot of things, um, and I think it just it it ultimately distracted me. So, um, I have a client from Massachusetts that owned a penthouse at Roni Palace, and she was another person that I feel like I learned so much from. Super interesting woman. Um, she had been a nurse through most of her career, and her husband had uh, very high profile jobs in science and they were just really interesting wonderful people and she was very um into the stock market so whenever she would come down we would have dinner we would talk about the stock market but i never really had time to focus on that because i was always working well when covid came i did have time to focus on it so i started to get really interested in that space and just have this whole kind of a place to put my attention where I was stressed. I was able to fill that space with this new obsession that I had, which was learning about the stock market. So that was kind of fun. And also my husband is from Morocco. And um, so I spent a lot of time in Morocco during COVID. So I just sort of accepted that I wasn't going to be able to work and filled my time doing other things besides working. I just allowed, I guess. I got it. Yeah. So, so now you're, you're really focused on the stock market. So, you know, I heard, heard that a couple of times. So what, what are your, what are your nuggets? What, what, what are, what are your lessons learned? How, are you still, you looking at it every day? How's, how's kind of that going? What's your, what's your viewpoint on, on investing from what you've learned? Um. Well, I guess what I've learned is that I should have set stop losses and, <laughs> Also, I took some random risks because, you know, it was kind of a fun time probably to get into the stock market because a lot of other people got in at that time. Yeah. And um, so I might have made a little money on some meme stocks. That was fun. Uh, <laughs> um, but, you know, uh, having a plan, whether it's for business or investing in the stock market or anything, it's it's in, it's a wise thing to do. So I, I probably made a few unwise decisions and um, life goes on. <laughs> yeah, people got caught up. That's that's really easy to get caught up in the wave. And then when you're saying about stop losses for people that don't know, it's when you you own a stock and you put in a, a order to say, hey, if it hits a certain price, let, let me get out of that. But uh, typically <laughs> people are, it's, it's hard to be disciplined, right? Whenever clients want to come in and they have a specific uh, idea in mind for a, for a name, we call it an individual stock. I'm like, okay, well, what's the plan? What's the plan? What are we holding this to where it gets to? When do we get out on the bottom? And uh, they're never really, you know, prepared for those. Oh, I just want to own it. Well, that's that's not a plan, you know, to your point. Uh, there needs to be a plan around it. So Jessica, now, you know, wrapping up, I always I always like to ask the question that if you could go back to, uh, to 2008, right? Or, or before, and you know, heard a lot about your story. And you could tell you something at that point, right? You could tell you something, yourself something that you know now that you wish you knew then that you feel would have made a dramatic impact on, on your path. What would that be? Uh, I would have invested in the stock market a lot sooner. I would have bought a whole lot of Tesla probably <laughs> amongst other things. 
Um, yeah. yeah, I would have bought some Amazon too, but how about how about an interior design? An interior design, I I think I probably, because of the age that I was as all of this was happening, on the one hand, maybe I give myself credit because I, I still pulled it off. And at the other hand, I feel like I wasted a lot of time, you know, focused on fun and we, we have to have some fun in life, but maybe I could have done a little bit less than that and focused on um, work and my business a little bit more. Um, but you know, maybe in the, in the environment that I was living in and so my friends, you know, was just kind of going with the flow and maybe a little bit less flow and a little bit more plan probably would have been really good for me. So I like I'm that. Gonna- I like that. Have a good plan. I I couldn't I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. Well, Jessica, listen, I really appreciate uh, your time and sitting down and and sharing your story. And, and you know, we'll put this uh, this video out there, this podcast out there. We'll link to you, your website, and everything. And uh, you know, I really I really think uh, thank you for taking the time out. Thanks for having me.